Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. This episode comes with an advisory. It comes with a warning. What you're about to hear may make you feel sad or or bad or or a little bit gloomy, even even depressed. Certainly not glad or, or perky. So if that's what you're looking for, you might want to listen to another podcast. You might want to listen to something like, I don't know, uh, the 12 really good habits to have if you want to become successful or something like that. But not this one. Okay. You still there? Good. All right. Let's go. Artists. I've been thinking a lot recently about how utterly insipid our profession is. Yeah, I'm talking about us, you, I'm talking about you, all of you, all of you who have devoted your lives to that phantom we call contemporary art. I'm, I've been thinking about our innocence in the face of a cynical system that preys on the clueless insecurities of wealthy people. I'm thinking about the wide chasm, that, that sweeping, insurmountable gap between our intentions and the intentions of our, of our, of our benefactors or, or our audience, if you prefer that word. I mean, really, does anyone out there truly believe that the dignity of their work is best served by being displayed at, I don't know, an art fair? <laughs> but my friends, my dear and loyal listeners, I discovered something recently. I discovered something and I'm very pleased to report that there is another field, another field of endeavor that is far worse than our own. There's, there's another enterprise out there that is even more infantile, more chimerical, more cynical, more counterfeit than ours. There's another confidence game out there, worse than ours, more, more clever than ours, bigger than ours. It's a multi-billion dollar hoax that makes the economy of our beloved art world seemed like, well, a Vietnamese banh mi food truck or something like that. I mean, I'm talking here about the happiness industry. Have you heard of this? Imagine a whole line of products from books to wellness centers to, to desert retreats to seminars, life coaches, smartphone apps, instructional DVDs. Oh, 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 wait, yes, there's gear too. <laughs> Happiness gear. <laughs> there's gear. You think the bicycle nerds with their tights <laughs> have all that extra equipment? <laughs> They're nothing compared to the, to the joy junkies with their crystals, their, their bangles, their incense burners and stuffed penguins with those purple ribbons tied around their ankles with motivational quotes. Sure. But, but, but that's not all by a long shot. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
You've also got these daily affirmation playing cards, you know, with the pretty mandalas on the back of each one. And, and, and you've got the, the negative ion bracelets. You've got the flower of life organ pendants. You've got the tiger eye bolo chokers. You've, you've got those Himalayan salt lamps and, and those wonderful rainbow chakra yoga mats. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and let's not forget those ceramic Buddha heads with the uh, aromatherapy oil diffusers. Only, only in a country, only in the culture of such grotesque, unprecedented surplus, will you find so many desperately unsatisfied people dying to spend their money on self-improvement. The time, the, the, the treasure that's frittered away on a remedy for what is essentially an invented affliction. Because what does this happiness industry imply? It implies that its armies of eager consumers are either unhappy or, and this is the crazy part, or it's not that they're unhappy, no. It's just that they are not happy enough. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just a matter of people wanting to belong to something, to be part of a group, to be an initiate, to receive training, to be trained so that the wrinkles of our complicated lives with all their contradictions and all their enigmas can be met with a, with a series of, of predictable and, and comforting steps. Which brings me back again to our own subject matter, contemporary art, and the lives of those that participate in its creation. Now artists are, or these should be, the vigorous antagonists to this upbeat industry of implied grievance and invented glee. Now unlike people who have a serious commitment to culture, these purveyors of happiness, both the entrepreneurs and the consumers, make it a point to emphasize their indifference, even antipathy to the past. Be present, they tell themselves. Be in the moment. Put the past into the past as, as if this were somehow a, a favorable condition, as if you could simply put the past into a, a, into a shoebox somewhere or into a filing cabinet, as if this were even possible. The, the, the happiness racket would have you believe that one need only light some sage, log into a meditation app, and avoid people and situations that make you feel wrong. Look, I interview artists, a lot of artists, and I can tell you that this notoriously sectarian bunch rarely speak with one voice, but they all seem to agree on one fundamental thing. Art, and by this they mean capital A, art, painting, sculpture, poetry, theater, performance, art, dance, literature, everything that is nuanced, everything that is subtle, everything that's complex, art, my interviewees tell me, is a deep 
drunken, scrupulously observed love affair with the ambiguous nature of being alive. They tell me that art bears witness to the human capacity for suffering, for euphoria, for pleasure, for guilt, for pain, for beauty, and for introspection. They tell me that they can only express their ideas honestly, only if they are intimate with the past, only if they remain in constant dialogue with what came before, only if they can muster the courage to dwell in the unvarnished and irreconcilable muck of regret. Art is, you might say, the disloyal opposition. Never mind Matisse and his comfortable armchair business. Art was never meant to be a bromide. It's, it's not designed to make you feel good. That's what chocolate is for. This, this vague anodyne condition they call happiness is only a worthy goal for those who default toward a sensorial neutrality. It's, it's, it's the Switzerland of emotions. It's the decaf of the world of ideas. It's, it's conceptual cotton candy. It's for kids. It's, it's for those who are afraid of experiencing any kind of, well, well, doubt. <laughs> but these are the wages of prosperity. A society unsatisfied with its abundance is obsessed with not only feeling good, but feeling good about themselves. To have a favorable opinion about themselves. To be worthy of their own admiration. Can't we think of a better use of our newly acquired leisure time than to pursue this ideal of a more cheerful existence? No wonder, my friends, the contemporary artists are in such a state of despair. Great art, they tell me, they all tell me this, requires great audiences. And those potential audiences, those who are, are privileged, who were privileged to have had a well-rounded college education with all those liberal arts survey courses, these fabulously educated professionals are just too preoccupied with their personal well-being to willingly submit to the upsetting dislocations of serious art. See, art, well, art, art is kind of a downer. Hey, I gotta go. I have to get a massage after my cryotherapy appointment so I can be nice and relaxed when I go to my Access to Empowerment workshop later tonight. So listen, namaste everybody, and join me again next time as we pick up the pieces of the shattered lives of contemporary artists.